What's up? Welcome back. Oh my gosh, the weekend goes by way too fast. It's already Monday. Let's talk sports. I'm Kanoa Leahy sitting here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. And for the first time in many weeks, because she has been traversing the western region of the United States of America, back in the house, providing a much-needed female voice <laughs> to this boys' club endeavor that tends to be a sports talk radio, uh, we have Lori Santi in the house. What's up, Lori? Thanks for having me, bud. I'm missing, I'm missing my Mondays, yeah. Know, but I did catch you. I'm got my headphone Look going on my little my little old lady walks. I got you. Streaming, I got you on streaming there. that bad boy. Up Keeping a, track of Hawaii. Yep. Up on the continent. Yeah. How, how were how were your travels? All right. It was good. You know, a little bit of caregiving. I, I still got a lot of family there. I so, hear that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it, but it was good. Always good to see everybody. It was hot. It was really hot. Like okay, like hotter like than really, what you experienced like, coming back. Really like my paw pads were getting burned. Oh, you know boy. what I'm saying? Oh, it was man. really. It was. <laughs> you come out. You're like you're like a little gnome. You know. You come out early in the morning. You go in for 12 hours and then you come. Yeah, it's hot in Cali. Oh for sure. wow. Well, it's good to have you back, Lori Santi. I have the privilege of working with you on the Spectrum Sports coverage on television of Rainbow Wahine basketball. Of course, you also provide uh, analysis for University of Hawaii softball. Uh, but you are really kind of a, a sports aficionado, and so that's why I love having you in here, because we can talk about just about anything, and we will. Uh, but I do want to take at least a few moments here to recognize this being a very special day. It is going to be the final day, at least in his current position, uh, as our, I used to say, esteemed boy, board operator. Uh, he does a lot of things under the ESPN Honolulu banner, uh, but he didn't really like that, so I started calling him steamy board operator because it's just kind of another version. Uh, but Keegan Ota, this is his last day in this position. He'll still be kind of helping out on a more part-time basis. But Keegan, uh, how are you feeling here? Last day, give give the people out there a sense of, like, what's on the horizon for you? What What's happening here, man? So uh, I'm moving on to a, a different job later on very soon. Uh, but it's uh, kind of like you were asking me how it feels. It kind of feels surreal that uh, it's been four years since 2018 uh, that I've been here with uh, the station. But it's kind of – it's it's – it's been a wild ride. Yeah. All right. Well, can you clue us in on what that next position entails, or at least how much information you can share? Well, with us? surprise, surprise. Hopefully, soon enough, uh, it'll be somewhere in the realm of esports. Oh. So, and, and so Kanoa Leahy and Rob DeMello <laughs> listening right now knew that argument was coming up, and I defended it. But yeah, it, it might be somewhere in there. If anybody had listened to that episode where Rob and I were debating whether or not esports or gaming was an actual sport, right? And we came up with this criteria for it, and we both sort of concluded that based on that specific criteria, uh, it wasn't a sport. And, you know, some of that was tongue-in-cheek, but, oh, my gosh, if you had witnessed how much that triggered Keegan Osa, like, I'd never seen such outrage. Oh, man, like, banging on tables, equipment was shaking and rattling, almost falling off of the desks. Uh, and so anybody who knows Keegan knows that this is right in the wheelhouse, this transition. And we wish you the best there, Keegan. I'm going to oh, miss that much. pretty face. It. I just got used to seeing that pretty face sitting there. <laughs> Dang, That's right. Taking, taking that somewhere else? I'm, you know, the e-game thing, I, yeah, we, sh we should have <laughs> talked about that a little bit more. I'm right with you, Keegan. Oh, you're I'm with Keegan. Right, I'm with Keegan. Okay. Hey, Chase, yes. come on, man. Chase tag, cornhole, come on. Uh, okay. Come on. It's well above those two. Okay. Well above. Okay, all right. I got another cider, so Konoa, <laughs> you're feeling a little 50-50 right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm always in the minority here. We will schedule Keegan, I'm sure, after uh, he transitions to the next position uh, as an actual 
humble and formal guest. And then we will have Lori Santi in the house, too. And then we'll really get down yeah. to the nitty-gritty. Maybe I'll bring Rob DeMello up, and we can kind of even up the sides a little bit, and then we can get into that debate. But, Keegan, uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. And uh, won't be the same without you, but we wish you the best. And we will hear a little bit more from you later on in the show. We will start, though, today, because some exciting news, actually, that we can announce here on uh, ESPN Honolulu. Uh, we have secured the radio rights to the Honolulu Little League team that will be playing in Williamsport at the Little League World Series. Their first game in the Little League World Series will take place on Wednesday at 1 p.m., and it will air on our sister station, CBS 1500, again, Wednesday at 1 p.m., so pretty big news. Obviously, uh, you have yet another team coached by Gerald Oda going to Williamsport. It seems like he has a little bit of the, the magic touch. He kind of knows the concoction and the recipe, and this is a team that always is reputed to be uh, very sort of well-demeanored, a team that brings a lot of aloha everywhere that they go, and they're always pretty damn good, too. So they are expected to compete uh, for the whole shebang. But we will have that game, again, their first game on Wednesday at 1 p.m. on CBS 1500. It's a pretty cool news. Yeah, that's a big get. And, you know, for people like me who are a little or over 40, Nothing <laughs> like I love baseball on the radio, right? You, you always can get it. It's always, I think it's probably the most well done sport on the radio that there is because it's been it's timeless. Even like with pops, you know, you you just hear that. It's it's going to be nice to be able to have another kind of access yeah. to listen to the to the game. Yeah, and that announcement sort of comes, I think, at an interesting time here because I don't know if you were able to read the uh, column in the Honolulu Star Advertiser by a good friend of mine, Jerry Campany. We go all the way back to like our Hawaii Pacific University collegiate days together, but uh, he penned a column where he talked about the coverage of Little League Baseball and how there is a certain conflicting nature that he experiences when digesting the coverage of Little League Baseball on television. And as we have seen this thing evolved over years, uh, it is not just now exclusive to Williamsport and that tournament. It is expanded to, you have multiple divisions that are now airing either on ESPN or on its streaming ESPN Plus, uh, Plus platform. Uh, you have other sports. You have softball and the Little League Softball World yeah. Series also uh, getting uh, significant television time. You have regional games. I mean, this thing has become more and more expansive over time, and the column that he writes, it, it calls upon the question of just how appropriate that level, that magnitude of coverage is for kids who are primarily 11 years of age. Yeah. And this is something I've brought up uh, many times in the past where it's, you know, first off, a bit of an imbalance maybe because that specific division of that specific league gets so much coverage and that always kind of felt a little uh, incongruent with what other baseball leagues and, and, and youth leagues are out there and some of the great baseball being played there. Uh, you, know, you also introduce the, the softball factor, which is being played at the same time of year. And then it's just, you know, sometimes it does feel a little uncomfortable, these ultra zoom-in close-ups of these 11- and 12-year-old kids who uh, are experiencing failure in front of our own eyes, and they are being emotionally struck by it. You see these kids who are crying uh, after they make an error, and just the kind of pressure that comes along with that. 
it will it be a discussion for sure that will leak into other areas of youth sports and kind of what this animal has become over time. But let's just talk specifically about this column and what Jerry Campany brings up, because another question he brings up is uh, sort of the incongruence in the fact that you have this now major television deal, right, that Little League Baseball is benefiting from with ESPN, and yet you hear all these stories and we see it firsthand, right? All of these youth teams in the buildup to this summer run, they're selling Portuguese sausage, zippies, chilies tickets. They're doing whatever to fundraise so that they can support their travel. And yet here's Little League Baseball, and they've got all the money in the world right now to put this thing on, and it just gets bigger and bigger. You know, and it's interesting. I think it's also on the tail end of a couple things. NIL which TV contracts, now people on fire about that, the amount of money that they've made for football contracts, the whole NIL thing that's been unleashed. Then you look at Live Tour, all of that money, all mm. that that stuff. Now all of a sudden you're looking at you know ESPN's TV rights to Little League Baseball. People are starting to get a little gun shy of where, why there's so much money, where that money's going. Mm -hmm. Is it appropriate, where it's coming from, right? And, and secondly, you know, I for many years taught 11 and 12 year olds you know i taught fifth and sixth graders for 25 years coached them had one <laughs> had two <laughs> and you know it's the performance part it's exactly what you touched on you know one team wins it but they're not sort of cognitively ready for the performance aspect for the failure when you're performing which sports are right it's it's more about failure than it is i mean when you hit 300 you're having a great day, right? So the other seven at bats just sucked, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's so so I think the failure part and the performance part, I've seen it at women at girls' volleyball tournaments. When you start that whole J.O., all of it, it's the kids aren't ready sort of psychologically. There's no, you know, there's no sports psych guy on, on, on the coaching staff, probably the thing that you – and then you talk about the spiral effect of the tryouts, who's coaching, Who's coaches kids on the team? How much is it going to cost? We're going to how's the fundraising going to go? All of that sort of stuff that creates those nightmares that we see that occur at some of these sports. Uh, we'll maybe touch on later these sports events where people are going to blows with umpires and with each other. And yeah. Uh, again, it, it leads into all of those areas, and let's open the phone lines here uh, for anybody that wants to chime in. 296-1420 is the number you can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at those digits. Uh, but, yeah, let's start just specifically with the coverage, the, the magnitude of the TV coverage. We're talking about regional play all the way through to Williamsport, at least in that division of that league. We'll take that one because it is the one that gets the biggest amount of publicity uh, and, and attention. Uh, is it too much i mean obviously there is a market for this thing we love watching these hawaii teams and why wouldn't we right these kids are incredible and they are incredibly poised uh and i think the coaching staffs that have been associated with this team uh these teams over the years have done a great job of sort of uh presenting uh, not just the talent that hawaii has putting that on display but also kind of the the quality the of the kids and the, and the, the diversity and the culture as you say uh and and so there's no way that we are trying to criticize the teams and, and what they have represented, but is there a general question to be asked of, is the attention and the coverage for kids these sets of ages, is it possibly too much? Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting about it is what do we love about it? What draws us to it is the purity, right? How long does that stay when hmm. you now all of a sudden have this this 
floor for these kids on television because what you love is just that raw emotion right that, that you know that we don't always get in professional sports or even college sports so are, is that trickling down where now it kind of now we're going to see all the antics right the bat flips and the I mean are you going to lose just sort of that pure emotion because you've got these kids on this stage where it becomes kind of just second nature to I, I, yeah, that's the question right I think we love it because it's so pure but then can it stay pure when you've got all that money involved? Yeah, I mean, it is sort of a smaller version of what has transpired over time with collegiate sports. And certainly you can look at college football, right? This once beautiful thing, it was based on amateurism. Obviously, we're talking about little kids here in this case. Uh, but this wonderfully pure thing that you're describing and how all of a sudden it ballooned to being this money generator for all of these entities on the periphery, right? Broadcasters to the leagues themselves and those officials. And you just start to wonder, like you're saying, like the bubble that's created out of that. We have seen that basically burst at the collegiate level. And so now we're talking about 11 and 12 year olds and just focusing, at least for the sake of argument, on that specific league and that specific division. Um, this is starting to become representative and reflective of that kind of bubble here. And so, you know, we can talk about how it impacts the kids themselves, but there's also that conversation on, all right, like what's going to happen to this once pure thing once you generate that kind of money and there is that investment that's then put into it. And the passion that you have for your young kids, right? I mean, when your kids, you get a little older and you're parenting a college-age athlete, or you've kind of let that go, but the passion that's involved and taking care of your kid and making sure they're okay when they're 11 and 12 years old there's a lot of conflicts there right can all with you know you're not you're under contract in college these kids it's it's a lot different and it's a lot more complex when it comes to choosing those teams and performing and how they react and how you pick up the pieces and you know there there are many more negative things that we don't see I think in these situations with youth sports then there are positive things that we see yeah because if you matriculate down to the basic regular seasons of some of these teams right a lot of these teams in cases are all-star teams right but when you start looking at the general landscape of youth sports and obviously a lot of these stories are publicized and written about and so maybe uh, it feels like it is a a larger problem potentially than than it actually is but i don't think that we are over exaggerating the impact that it's now having i mean you are hearing now an incessant line of instances where parents and officials are mixing it up and these are like i mean we have that story where Akib Talib's brother just turned himself into authorities for a shooting that occurred of a youth football coach at a nine and under league division game like on the field like what what is going on here and and I'm not trying to say that that is a direct byproduct of too much coverage for the Little League World Series what I am trying to say is like I think you're alluding to once you sort of create that that monetary vacuum and bubble around something that once was so pure and then the ultra competitiveness and pressure that then comes along with it because everybody wants their kid to be on ESPN in Williamsport at this time of year everyone wants their kid to be the next superstar next phenom that's going to be written about in Sports Illustrated and the Sporting News and featured on ESPN and that continues to snowball because the money continues to build and build and build and the fame and celebrity that comes with it the status that comes with it also continues to build and then how is that disbursement at some point going to go does espn start handing out money to regional little league baseball 
organizations by state or by, I mean, there's going to, right? Somebody's going to start asking for a little bit of piece of that pie. I mean, we've seen that happen, obviously, with NIL. I mean, that's, so it's going to be an interesting. And, you know, as a parent, I mean, you are, love is blind, man. It's, you know, you see two kids on the field, your kid and whoever's playing in front of your kid. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's yeah. all, you know, you don't, so, I mean, I think that the, the emotions run high. We always talk about youth coaches, and there's not, you know, there's no school to go to for coaching. You know, you it, it's something, it's, it's unique in that regard. You can get to these really high levels and not really have had, to go through any sort of educational process to get there, you know, and and I think that's always been kind of unique in athletics. It's right, you, you, there's not a lot of training on how to do that. It's uh, I think that sometimes is the difficulty with you sports coaches. Yeah, well, and you can speak firsthand to this uh, as a parent, right, and and sort of being someone who has been very much associated with the sports community here. What is that like? I mean, the, the pressure that the parents feel and sort of how the kids then sense that and how that can influence their behavior on the field or, or at least the kind of expectations they feel are being put on them. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's gotten, it's become more complicated. I don't really have an answer, but I know that that, you know, generationally speaking, there weren't a whole lot of female athletes. You kind of knew the separation was big in the last generation. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you kind of knew the tomboys was, you know, you look at Hawaii athletes. I mean, there are people that, you know, you kind of, you, you identified it. them pretty now early. Now it's different because I feel like there are a lot more kids that are skilled, not necessarily a lot more that are incredibly athletic in some ways. You know what I mean? You spend a lot of time hitting a ball from the time that you're, you know, five years old. You don't, you know, it's a, that's a skill, right? As you know, opposed so, to just like the as natural opposed to a gifted baller, kind As opposed of, to it. just a baller, right? And you, you do enough, right? You kind of can identify that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just an aura. It's just something about that type of kid. But it is kind of an interesting thing what, what, you know, what it brings out in parents and really good people, people you know, when they react to their kids in what they feel is it not a just situation, not a fair situation. Sports isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Yeah. But when you see it with your kid, it's a really difficult thing to manage. And I think really the key in some ways may be to start keeping the parents a little bit more at bay. You know, we've always had that, you know, we've always bought in and helped in the community part of it. But it's difficult when you start making decisions for who's starting and who's not. And it's complicated. I don't know what that answer is. But I do know that performance pressure in really young kids is something that needs to be looked at, whether that's TV, whether whatever that situation is, it's it's not age appropriate. They're not really ready for that, and I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, you know, I don't. Do you, is there an argument to be made, just to play devil's advocate, of, of that kids now might be at least a little bit more ready for yeah. that because of the kind of exposure they have to social media and sort of being quote unquote more out there at yeah, a younger age? They're definitely exposed to it more. I'm not always sure that means that you handle it better. You mm. know, cognitively, do you develop quicker because you see it more? Or, or not you know I don't know that that sort of physiologically is hand in hand I mean you know I yeah I, I think do do female athletes who are NIL girls and you know are wearing their swimsuits and spandex on their NIL are they able to handle this social pressure and the fallout that comes on their Instagrams and the comments and things I I'm yeah. gonna say no Cano. you know what I mean I'm not sure they're handling that way better than 
I don't know. I, I don't really I don't really think so. I think there's got to be a little bit more process in preparing them for what's going to happen and and valuing them, you know, outside of that self-worth of outside of being an athlete. Yeah, and again, I think I think we should stress that I, I don't think you and I are necessarily criticizing the mechanism per se no. that is this youth sports oh my God, yeah. uh, community, right? I mean, it's great. I mean, that's what the, these life lessons oh, you learn absolutely. as a kid and particularly in failure, those are maybe the lessons that benefit you the most in the real world is when you aren't and, and we're successful. And talking about 1%. We're talking about the elite elite Correct. in this situation, the pro of, a, of an 11 and 12-year-old league. So the gazillions of kids that get, yeah, absolutely. I still do not believe that there's more bad in that regard than, than good. But I, I, what we see you know yeah i think we appreciate it so much in fact that that's sort of where this concern is born from right. this concern that you have this network of adults who are on the periphery around this thing and have realized how profitable it is and they have then allowed perhaps for some of the priorities that shouldn't be the top priorities become a little bit more prevalent, the, the money-making aspect. You, you just hope that this beautiful, wonderful thing that is youth sports and even specifically the Little League World Series that has such a romance around it and is such an incredible opportunity for these kids that it doesn't get further corrupted yeah. or manipulated by people who have different intentions you know what i mean it, and, and are then by uh, as a byproduct sort of taking advantage of these kids yeah and you know from the female standpoint it's been so great to watch the softball world series you know grow that game growing like all the female sports or women's sports that are on that i get to watch i'm so excited about that i feel similarly with the youth sports it's really fun to watch it's we love you mm -hmm. know getting on that that bandwagon with our kids in our regions and people we know whose kids are playing and but i don't know what you know it's difficult to know what how to protect them yeah it's difficult how to much know is how too to protect much them yeah is, would, would be maybe the more general basic question all right well we got to take a break Lori santi's in the house and we're stoked about that What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports coming to you on this Monday. The only thing that makes Monday great is we have Lori Santi in the house here coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Keegan Ota is working the board. It's his last day Hello, doing Keegan. so, man. Oh, we are beside ourselves with sorrow, but uh, he is on to uh, bigger and better things, and uh, we wish him the best. But we uh, will carve out some time to maybe give him uh, a little bit of heat here for uh, for <laughs> bailing well, on well us. He's welling up back there. It's <laughs> all right, yeah, it's a very emotional experience for him. Uh, two nine six fourteen twenty is the number. You can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at those digits. Kanoa Leahy and Lori Santi here in the house. Another bit of news that uh, came out today: you had the first official. A preseason AVCA poll for women's college volleyball and the Rainbow Wahine volleyball team unranked in the preseason poll for the fourth straight time and just the seventh time overall in the history of this program. Hawaii was among those receiving votes, however, so they are on the radar. Uh, but really, uh, what do you make of this that the Rainbow Wahine have had such a hard time here over the past almost handful of years uh, at sort of earning that preseason level of attention and respect. Is this a sign of disrespect or is this a sign of the times? I think it's a sign of the times a little bit. I also think when you look at that top 25, there's some weird stuff in there. I mean, you look at USC, they haven't been, they didn't go to the NC2As last year. So, I mean, a lot of it, I think because of COVID, it's also a, a program in UH that missed a season. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you're, you've got a lot of repercussions coming out of that. I think with the transfer portal, things change 
unbelievably. I mean, you look at, at a team like Texas you're going to see this year, two Nebraska transfers. You know, Nebraska's got a Penn State middle. There's so much going on that I think that that the fluidity of the top 25, we're going to see that a lot probably moving forward. And I think it's a little messy and maybe somewhat inaccurate. That being said, the Wahine are in the Big West. It's not, you know, that whole group five type situation. It's not a power conference. Uh, the West Coast has struggled a little bit um, volleyball wise. And I, I think that's probably, you know, leading to that as well. Yeah, I think the game has changed, right? Yeah. And, and Dave Shoji would even talk about it, right? Even in the later years of his tenure, he's saying, hey, look, the, the power conferences, particularly in the Midwest, uh, no longer is volleyball sort of a fringe coastal sport. It is a big deal. And it is a big deal in the places that can absolutely put up the kind of money to be competitive on a perennial type of basis. And so that just removes uh, the opportunity to get the kinds of recruits that maybe Hawaii back in the day was more in the running for. Now you just have so much more competition and the money and the facilities that are backing some of those Big Ten and Big 12 schools, I mean, it is hard to keep up with. And now that's a, a bit of a, a sort of macro uh, dare I say, excuse as to why it's been a little bit slimmer pickings, if you will, for Hawaii on the national radar. Uh, but I think that's a reality of the women's college volleyball landscape for sure. And the other reality is size. I mean, you watched Wisconsin last year with either, you know, you're six, five, six, eight. It's tough to compete with that at those levels. Um, I think the good thing, though, with volleyball, that being said, you're talking about seven or eight players. It's not like football where you take an Alabama and their third running back starting on any other team. And, you know, it's you get a couple really good players. You get the, the program back where it needs to be. You look at a player like Amber Igidi, how great we yeah. talked about this weekend. I mean, she looks awesome i mean just she's just physically she's, you know the she looks season primed. she just yeah. really you know had a great usa summer i mean so there are things that can change during the course of that program i i do think that um you know that that hawaii will have a good season this season i i think that they're pretty primed they've lost some people but i think you know they're always going to be right there and it just takes you know a couple a couple recruits that's a right. couple transfer portal late nights can uh, that's right and and the schedule if you will for for what Robin Amo and her coaching staff were trying to do right when you try to kind of build that all right let's bring in some transfers let's bring in some freshmen we'll do the combination of player development and bring in some already established talent that's the the baseline foundation for any new coaching regime in most cases that schedule got thrown off kilter because of covid right big west was one of two conferences that did not compete at all in 2020 so when they took the floor again in 2021 they were taking the floor especially in the non-conference portion of the schedule against teams that had a nucleus of players who had played competitive volleyball like four stakes as recently as april of oh, yeah. that year and so it just kind of threw everything off kilter i think and robin amo and company and the rest of the big west really they're still trying to play catch up a little yeah, bit Yeah, i feel like they're reeling a little bit i do and, I, and it's interesting too to see how the coaching thing how this all plays out are you how to know what to bring in in terms of a coaching staff or is it a developmental coaching staff are you because you don't have kids as freshmen i mean the rosters are changing you are also still in the covid roster protocol where you've still got kids that are getting extra years you're trying to manage that roster with kids that have extra years that maybe you 
don't necessarily fit into that situation that you're it, there is I think it's still messy so I would think for the Rainbow Wahine program you got to give it a couple years to see if they get back on that track and I, I kind of believe they will yeah. this, this is still a special place to play as a, as a as a volleyball player I don't care what anybody says yeah and I don't think it's uh, building her up in any kind of exaggerated way when you say that Robin Amo and this coaching staff uh, I think they have proven that they get the most out of whatever team they put out there on the floor but when you think about what cost them from the COVID experience. Yeah. I mean, not having Angelica Youngquist on the staff anymore. You had several talented players who transferred out because the situation was just so weird and so dire and they were homesick and it was a scary situation for many. So Hannah Helvig would be an example of one of those players that I think was on schedule to be a star at this point, taking the floor here alongside Amber Igedi. And so it's just some of those plans then get botched and you have to scramble to try to come up with the compensatory plan, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you look at some of the teams that are listed and you, you know, you mentioned them. I mean, you look at throughout what's going on with the Power Five conferences and it is going to be tough to stay there. It'd be, but I mean, it's all about the end of the season. Um, and for the Wahine, it's always also been about the non-conference schedule, you know, to prepare them because they haven't always gotten that competition in the Big West. I think Santa Barbara will be pretty good this season. They seem to be kind of up and coming. It'll be interesting to see how the regular season plays out. Yeah, I mean, that's Hawaii's opportunity to really kind of establish an RPI advantage, especially over the rest of the Big West conference is in that non-conference. And uh, as tends to be the case, it is a tough non-conference schedule for Hawaii starting things off, obviously, on the road uh, in a very rare move schedule Wise, uh, at Texas A&M for that tournament. Uh, just four non-Power 5 teams, by the way, in the top 25 in this preseason AVCA poll. BYU, Creighton, Western Kentucky, and San Diego. All right, we're going to take another break. We'll have a little bit more of the question and answer type of dynamic when we come back as we're going to dip into the bucket of questions for the last time with my man Keegan Ota. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. It's a Monday, but we're very stoked because Lori Santi is in the house. Uh, but we're also a little sad. It's a little melancholy in the studios because it's the last time that we're going to have our steamy board operator, Keegan Ota, working the board because he is moving on to bigger and better things. He's leaving us. That's that's about it. That's what it sums up to. Uh, he is just bailing on us. I don't want you to feel bad, Keegan, but I want you to kind of feel bad. Yeah, come on, McSteamy. I can't believe you're leaving us. <laughs> Guilty complex you guys are making me come up with. <laughs> no, huh? exactly, exactly. Uh, well, for the last time then, uh, because this is the thing that you've sort of guarded over right you have been the uh the protector of the bucket o questions here in time since this show was established so for the last time keegan we ask you to dip into the bucket o questions and get us going all right well over the weekend of course uh preseason week one for the nfl and you have the atlanta falcons taking on detroit where atlanta won 27 23 but more importantly we got to see marcus mariota in a falcons uniform goes two for two for 36 yards as well as rushing three times for 23 yards and a touchdown so guys what did you think of marcus mariota's preseason debut for the falcons it was great i wish it came against a team other than my lions uh, who came up on the losing end but that's not a surprise but you know what it was it was great and not necessarily because of the numbers uh it's more just like the eye test of okay Marcus right now looks healthy, and that's all you can cross your fingers and sort of ask for. And a healthy Marcus Mariota, I think it has been proven, can be an effective quarterback. He can make plays. He can do things in a multitude of ways. Unfortunately, it looks like with this Falcons team, he's going to have to. The offensive line doesn't look like it's the toughest. Drake London already getting hurt 
after he uh, makes a key catch uh, from Marcus Mariota in that game. So you wonder about the weapons. If, if the running game can be uh, established and effective enough, then it, it should give him a little bit more latitude to do his thing. Uh, but just the fact that he looked healthy, that's two thumbs up. And tell you, when he looks healthy, he's awesome. I mean, he's still got some wheels. You know, he's physically assuming guy. We haven't seen him healthy. We've seen him run the football a handful of times with the Raiders. He's a guy you want to root for. Right, and maybe he's smart enough now, as you're mentioning. There are not a lot of tools there. I mean, the Falcons are that O-line. I mean, every time Marcus takes off, you kind of cringe. But he's got to be a smarter guy now, right? Yeah. He's, he's older. He's in his prime, throwing the ball away, getting out of bounds, all of those things. And he seems to be. I mean, he seems to be the clear-cut guy there. And Atlanta's gonna love him. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. So I, I think Marcus, in a way, Kanoa coming into the league now, as a sort of multiple look quarterback is almost better than it was when he came into the league before, in a sense, right? You look at the guys like Trey Lance and the guys that come in and are excited about their ability to avoid, you know, contact in the pocket, their ability to run the football in key situations and goal line situations. So really the league may be more set up for Marcus than ever if he can stay healthy. And he's wearing Yolani colors, which I've pointed <laughs> out. Uh, oh, so it, it does look, it just, uh, it's just more appealing now. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a healthy Marcus is a very talented and skilled Marcus and uh, hopefully it works out and, and hopefully they find him a few more weapons over there. All right. What's next Keegan? All right. Well, let's go to the bigger picture here as well. Every other team kind of played, and there were some big headlines, right? Zach Wilson going down for the Jets, kind of getting that injury in the mm -hmm. second series of the game. You also had, I mean, Bears beating the Chiefs, but that's not yeah, a yeah, great well, story yeah. itself. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Patrick Mahomes did so throw guys, a... what was your top takeaway from the NFL preseason action of week one? Yeah, Patrick Mahomes was in action, did throw a touchdown to, to Travis Kelsey. And, and yeah, I think the, the biggest standout to, okay, one of the more surprising things, Andy Dalton is a saint. I don't even think I knew that <laughs> until this past weekend. Uh, but I think the thing that stood out, the most eye-popping thing that I felt was like most worthy of water cooler talk, you know, beyond the, the Marcus type of story that have a connection to us. Matt Ariza, the punter for the Buffalo Bills as a San Diego State. That was unbelievable. The, what is he? The punt god, they are calling him, which is one of the best <laughs> nicknames. He said he was the MVP of the game. 82-yard punt wow. in his first highlight. I mean, that is valuable. This guy was taken in, what, the sixth round? But that is going to bring some value for this team to be able to flip the field in that way. I will tune in the Buffalo Bills game. I am hoping when yards. I'm watching the Red Zone Network that they tune in when the Bills are on fourth down and in a punny situation because I want to see this guy put foot to yeah, football. Yeah, that was unbelievable. But I kind of done. Yeah, I'm not a real punter gal. So, you know, that was pretty... Even an 80-yard punt? I'm not tuning in to see the punter, brother. Okay? I am not. I'm getting to the I'm stadium early that. to watch him practice. That's what I'm doing. All right, what stood out to you? What stood out to me is don't play your starting quarterback. <laughs> don't play your starting quarterback. Zach Wilson, that's like a... It ain't going to be four weeks. I mean, and then what ha what happens to the Jets? I mean, the Jets, I don't know. I mean, the Lions, the Jets, I mean, it's whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just saying, it is just bad karma. It's just, it's just, ah. Hey, hey, we don't need it's any solid. we don't need any stray well, I mean, shots I, I, going at my I mean, Detroit Lions. Well, I, I like Dan Campbell. I gotta say the hard knocks thing has kinda drawn me in a little bit. Hey, he's fun to what watch. What is it? Three fingers and a and in one a toe and one butt cheek. Right. Yep, yep. <laughs> one butt cheek and three toes. Uh those so are the... I, I'm kinda feeling the Lions a little bit more. But no, I think that pre I think the preseason unfortunately 
you, you can't go with your starting quarterback. They've become so ridiculously value, invaluable in this league anyway. It's got to be Jimmy G time for the Jets, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, reunite with Robert Sala. I, I think mean, that makes Jimmy sense, G right? Jimmy G in New York? Come on. Come on now. <laughs> Get ready, gals. <laughs> Get All right. ready for those billboards. <laughs> Get ready for those buses. <laughs> All right, uh, what is next here? If that happens, by the way, I think the Niners go undefeated with Trey Lance. Oh, don't get Lori started on the Niners and Trey Lance. Keegan and I. I'm surprised that wasn't your number one, was just Trey Lance. I'll give you that 20 after, but. (laughs) Oh, man. Don't worry, Lori. I'm a Niners fan, too. Yes. Oh, my God. Like, Lori wasn't insufferable enough as a Bay Area sports fan. Thanks a lot, Keegan. You know what? Hey, is it the end of the show yet? Is it time for you to leave yet? You're you're two against one in the NFC right now. But, (laughs) anyways, let's move. I'm always getting picked on here. Uh, What's next? All right, next one up. Let's go to college football now. AP Top 25 gets released. Uh, and it pretty much matches up top five with the AVCA coaches poll. But at number one is Alabama, mm-hmm. as per normal usually. But Alabama, of course, overwhelming favorite, 54 first place votes. And, yeah, so they stick as the number one in the preseason AP college poll. Is Bama winning the national championship a foregone conclusion? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be the expectation, right? I mean, they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner back on the field for his second year. They have the best defensive player uh, in in the country. Yeah. So, um, but what's interesting is if you look at history, turning the preseason number one into a national championship has actually not been the easiest for Alabama. The Crimson Tide have gone on to win the national championship after starting number one in the AP poll just once under. Saban and twice overall so I don't know what that means I think they are obviously the overwhelming favorite but I think the end of the day the thing that hits me is the college football playoff will just be those teams at the top like it's just the same guys every every time we might have a Cincinnati you know you know UH UH did make the top 25 University of Houston Cougars dang it no I'm with you kind of but I wonder if that tide is going to turn a little bit Ah. with the fact that the collectives, I mean, you know, Texas, that Texas money is going to be tough for Alabama to hold on to. But I do think it's, it tends to be a little bit more about the defense. We talk about the offense so much, but maybe the number one pick in the draft on the other side of the ball for the Crimson Tide. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the safe bet. All right. Well, let's squeeze one more in here, Keegan. What we got? All right, guys. One last question with the NFL coming back. Are you guys ready for fantasy football? <laughs> oh, Lori. Just give me some tight ends. <laughs> give me some tight ends. I had Micah Parsons last year, though, but I wasn't too good. Scott, right? Are I you got, playing? I are, you, are, you, like are you set a, up to play? I got play? beaten like a like an ugly. Oh. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> great. I won one of my leagues where no one knew anything, but this, I played with the big boys last year. Are you playing I again this with, year? Well, yeah. It seems like you're not that Here was the deal, though, okay? We had some draft where you had like eight seconds oh, to God. draft, you know, and I wasn't ready. I had things going on. Yeah, that's. I, was, I needed a little more time. So I can't I'm kind of lobbying pressure. for that a little bit, a little, little bit more time in between my picks. Yeah, I made yeah. a I made a poor life decision. I, I, I usually just play in one league because it's easy, easy yeah. to manage. I don't want to, yeah, like, you know, out. I don't need that much clutter in my brain. Uh, but I'm in, like, three this year. I just kind of got sucked into it. And so, uh, I got, yeah, And poor I got in a little decisions. trouble just with the family that I wasn't putting enough time and effort into the Niner games because I was <laughs> so, <laughs> so preoccupied <laughs> on my phone by how my guys were doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you gotta you only got so much energy you can put into that Sunday. Fantasy football, the best and worst thing that happened to humanity. All right, <laughs> that's it for our bucket of questions. Uh, when we come back, we uh, are going to have our home stretch, obviously, crunch time of the show, and we're gonna get into our best and worst. 
All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. It's the fourth quarter. It's crunch time. The home stretch of the show here on this Monday. Kanoa Lehi in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu with Lori Santi. It is Keegan Ota's last day on this job. Uh, and so last time working the board for this show. So we're going to get into our best and worst. Uh, let's start on our side here, Lori. What's your best? My best? Big play, Trey. I mean, Trey I guess Lance that was... the Niners. I know, you know, I was going to try to be, but I got I to go with my heart. So I thought he looked pretty good. Had a big 76-yard uh, touchdown to Danny Gray. I got a stretch guy out there now, so I'm feeling a little better about him because I wasn't really on that bandwagon when they, with Jimmy. And plus, you know, Jimmy, like, Jimmy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let, let dreamy Jimmy. Jimmy. Go, dreamy make, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, speaking of McSteamy. But, yeah, that's my best. I'm excited about the Niners, excited about NFL season. All right. Uh, my best, um, there are a few that I could choose from no. here this week, but I'm going with the uh, U.S. Amateur Golf Championship Tournament officials. Uh, the schedulers clearly had a sense of humor, uh, creating a threesome that featured golfers that all had last names that can be associated with the celebrated television sitcom Seinfeld. The three golfers were Mark Costanza, Campbell Kramer and Hazen Newman. That's right, Costanza, Kramer, <laughs> and, and Newman. Newman. Uh, bless you, U.S. Amateur Golf Championship Tournament <laughs> officials. Go golf needed a little bit of an uptick. <laughs> they got all kinds right? of attention. Like they had film, like TV cameras with them and film crews. Like so, it did the job marketing-wise. So uh, kudos to them. All right, what's your worst? Uh, my worst easily is that uh, Coach Mike Hick Hickman tragically murdered oh, that U9 youth football game in Texas. Um, with his son there and playing and watching that. And, you know, those are the things that uh, we talked about earlier today about youth sports and where that fits in and what's happening in there. And that's uh, certainly one of the biggest tragedies we've seen in a while. I mean, that was a U9 yeah. game. U9. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. unbelievable. No, it, so does, it doesn't out, get worse you know, than that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's awful, and, and, you know, we just got to put an end to this silliness and this stupidity and uh, especially that kind of tragic behavior. I mean, gosh, we just need to do away with that and try to keep in mind the perspective, like, this is for the kids. I mean, they're little kids. They're little. You nine. Th there were reports that that, that fight uh, that ended in that shooting uh, was a result of the Coach Hickman who was trying to grab a football, and one of the opposing coaches kicked it away. Like, just, I mean infantile stuff like real real juvenile stuff and uh leading to obviously an overreaction and and what resulted in a tragedy that's that's really really bad uh flipping over and there's no way really to uh cleanly segue into another worst but uh, mine i'm gonna go with uh, something in the baseball world fernando tatis uh getting suspended 80 games i think the crazy thing about <laughs> that is then you had uh, <laughs> then you had uh, jonathan papelbon who is now retired right former world series champion closer with the boston red sox uh, who on top of this tatis news said that uh, if he were still pitching he would plunk Tatis every time he came up to bat because he used PEDs and like took this really weird strong stance and it's just it's strange the unfortunate thing is the Padres were poised man to maybe make a run here at the Dodgers I mean maybe they can still do something but that was supposed to be the lineup right that was supposed oh, yeah. to be and they just came out with a big big advertising yeah. press Tatis wasn't even on that cover I mean, he's, you know, yeah. I was in San Diego. My daughter works down there, went to a Padre game. He's, he was unbelievable. He's the guy. But Ringworm? <laughs> yeah. Ring, it's almost better not lot. to admit that. Ringworm? Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, we've seen that time and time again, these guys under the pressure to get back. A lot of PED usage, recovering from these injuries, um, yeah. you know. So, yeah. That's so, a, so now we conclude that you are doing, you know, potentially uh, performance-enhancing stuff. Uh, 
and we're also now uh, to the conclusion that you don't shower properly. So really, it's, yeah. it's, it's twofold here against you, Fernando. Well, pickleball, you know, hasn't really, we haven't really had that <laughs> PED thing yet, but no. it's starting to get out of first big network broadcast this weekend. It's on CBS Sports. Jeez. So I'm kind of, yeah, I feel a little tight. <laughs> I can say. Uh, Tatis, by the way, will have to miss like 31 games to start next season. I mean, that's how bad this thing is. All right, uh, Keegan, uh, we will now turn to you uh, because we have a couple minutes left. Your best and worst. This is going to cover your tenure here with ESPN Honolulu. So I'll start with my worst because I'd like to think, save the best for last. Gotcha. But, so my worst was, uh, Dak, go back to 2021 when we had that um, – we were airing the uh, the hearing for the University of Hawaii. Uh, uh, that would be my worst. Just be, it's not because we aired it, but it's because of all the things that you know happened. Came out of it, yeah, was. yeah. You're talking about the uh, the 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 whole saga uh, regarding <laughs> regarding Todd Graham and and uh, that uh, that legislative hearing, that committee hearing. Yeah, that that was that was rough stuff. Uh, it was rough, but um, let's let's go a little happier. Uh, to my best, uh, at my tenor here, I can say that I was one aboard up for the canola heat. Oh, man. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, um, I, I am also proud to say that, um, you know, I've been uh, my best to be everybody here, like working with everybody here, especially like Josh, always working with him in the studio. And then um, one of the one proud person to say that I was working uh, for back to back national championships. I was working on the board when Tiff called both uh, national championships. Oh, that's cool, back man. Back, so that was special moments as well. Absolutely. You go a lifetime without ever doing that. Well, we're going to miss you, Keegan. I'll miss you guys as well. Yeah. But I mean, you're not going to be like completely removed. It's like, we'll sad. see you it's kind sad. of like, you know, you'll be you'll be swinging on through every now and then, right? Yeah. I mean, I'll be I'll be here uh, here and there. I should be at football games, hopefully, if they allow me to be at football games and up in the booth. So I'll, I'll see you both. Probably. All right. All right. Well, don't be a stranger, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We'll miss you for sure. Uh, but best of luck with this new endeavor. Uh, we know you're going to kick some booty. So uh, great job. All right. So big thanks to Keegan Ota and congratulations on the new gig for him. Uh, big thanks to Lori Santi. Thanks for coming back yeah, here. Nice After several you, weeks away from the islands, it was great to have you back in here. I'm Kanoa Leahy, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Let's talk sports.